It is so good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, I see so many familiar faces, uh, many people I met last time I was here in March of 2020, uh, which things were so different back then. Uh, but uh, I'm glad to be back. This is actually my third visit to, to Trinity. Um, I visited you guys once back in the destination days. Um, and so uh, I love Chicago. I love coming here. And uh, actually, uh, I've been a pastor for a long time, uh, and uh, which is weird because I'm, I'm, I'm in my 30s. Um, but I've been doing this for like 13 years now, which makes no sense at all. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I, I get the opportunity to go to see a lot of churches just across the U.S., uh, many of them part of uh, our Confluence family of churches. And I just want to say to you guys, really, God is doing something powerful here uh, at Trinity. God is doing something powerful through you guys in Chicago, and, uh, and I see it every single time I come. I think sometimes when you come into a church and you get into that regular, you know, kind of, it, it becomes familiar. You can sometimes not see as clearly how powerfully God is moving among you guys, but just the people I've met, the things I've seen, um, and even just over the years tracking with Matt and Heather about you guys, I just want to encourage you that, uh, there is something very special happening here at Trinity and in Chicago. So keep it up, guys. Keep going for it. Uh, my wife is here, as uh, Matt said, Mackenzie, and uh, we have been married 11 years now. Uh, we had our 10th anniversary during COVID. It was, uh, we didn't do anything. Uh, we like, we like turned on a YouTube channel like the beach and just sat there while our kids were in bed and looked at it and pretended we were on had a pina colada, and no, that didn't happen. But uh, we do have three kids. Uh, we have two daughters and a son. Uh, it's a great privilege to, to get to raise the kids with Mackenzie. Uh, she's a wonderful friend and partner, and I'm so glad. She wasn't with me last March, and uh, really just an incredible person. So I'm glad she's here. If you didn't get a chance to say hi, definitely get a chance to say hi to her. Um, so like I said, I've been pastoring actually since 2008, a long time ago, uh, and uh, for me at least, uh, a long time ago. And uh, I actually started leading a small church plant in a college town uh, called Maryville, Missouri. It's the nor where Northwest Missouri State University is, and they are the best D2 football team in the nation, which is such a dubious honor um, to be the best in the second best division. Uh, and so I pastored there uh, since 2008. I was 22 years old when I started leading that church. Uh, the guy who kind of put me up to it, he kind of has this, uh, this reputation for just throwing people into things. And I was just full of energy and I went for it. Uh, I actually uh, wasn't just that. I was a bivocational pastor until 2012. And so uh, I went to school to study biochemistry. We got any biology or science chemist nerds in here? Hey, look at that, look at that. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I, my degree is in biochemistry and molecular biology. So I made vaccines um, for, uh, for a living for a few years uh, for an animal health company. And I worked bivocationally. So I was an unpaid pastor for four years at this college campus. Uh, and it really was a wonderful time. Um, so in 2011, I switched over. I was, in, I was invited to lead the church that I currently lead, Living Hope Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And uh, I came on staff about a year after that, uh, a little less than a year after that. So I've been full-time staff as a pastor uh, since 2012. And I say all that just so you guys kind of know where I'm coming from. When Matt invited me to come, uh, I really just prayed uh, about a lot of these topics, some topics I had preached on recently in St. Joe, and there was one in particular I just thought, man, this is something we don't talk about that often, uh, but it's really important. And, uh, and I thought, man, the, what a great opportunity coming in from the outside, 
uh, of, of Trinity just to bring something that I think can sometimes be hard to preach to your own church. Um, and so today I'm going to talk about on, what it means to honor uh, elders in your church, to honor leaders in your church. How do we do that? What does that look like? We have a really helpful passage. Um, It's 1 Timothy 5, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 25. I'm going to read this passage to you guys, and then we'll pray together, and we'll just jump right in. Uh, And my hope today is really, I I don't think it's an accident that we're here. I don't think it's an accident. Uh, I think every Sunday we gather, God has things for the church. Every every worship song we sing, God wants to speak truth into your heart. It's just another form of God's truth just being presented to us. And as we read the word here, as I preach this morning, I really believe God wants to leave a deposit here at Trinity. God wants to do work in your hearts. God wants to draw you closer to Jesus. Uh, That's the ultimate goal um, really, I think of every Sunday morning that we'd all be drawn closer to Jesus. We'd all uh, become more like Jesus. So let's read this passage and uh, pray and jump in. Here's what it says. It says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Uh, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. That's just a little note to Timothy there. Uh, It's interesting that it's in there, but uh, we probably won't talk about that today. There's some context for it, but not not for our sermon today. Uh, The sins of some people are conspicuous. Uh, They're obvious, going before them to judgment. But the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, I do just thank you so much. Uh, for this church. Lord, I thank you for the work you have done here. I thank you for the lives you have impacted here. God, uh, those that you've grown closer to you, Jesus, what an amazing legacy. Lord, this church has helped people to meet Jesus. This church has helped people to grow in Christ. This church has grown a family. Lord, that's your desire, that, that the church would be a family. Uh, a body that's, that's closely connected, that's built together, that's founded on Christ and forming into Christ. And Lord, I just pray that, that, that this morning you would anoint me to uh, just preach your word uh, honestly, truthfully, God, and, uh, and to honor what you have given us. Lord, I pray you bless this church. I pray, Lord, that you would knit my heart closer to Trinity. It's so great seeing familiar faces and feeling like it wasn't that long ago. That, uh, that I was here. And Lord, I just pray that. Continue to deepen my connection here. Continue to deepen connections between um, others. And Lord, I just, I just pray uh, for Matt. I pray for Heather. I pray for other leaders here at Trinity, Lord, that you would bless them and strengthen them uh, and that they would be honored as people give their lives uh, in a greater way to Jesus every week, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, before we jump into this, I, I think it's helpful to, to sort of define what an elder is. So he starts off sort of talking about elders. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you what an elder is, and then I'm going to just kind of explain some, some church leadership things, um, because I think it's helpful. This isn't, you know, this isn't just a passage about honoring elders. I think it's also important to honor uh, all the leaders, those who lay down their lives, give their time and energy. You know, we see a worship band up here. These are, these are leaders, people sacrificing time, coming early, uh, you know, using their skills, using their gifts to bless you guys. Uh, 
and not just going through the motions, but trying to really, you know, encounter Jesus in their own lives and help you encounter Jesus here on a Sunday morning. There's a lot that goes into something like worship. You've got an audio video team in the back, you know, serving, but these things are uh, forms of uh, leadership as they're laying down uh, their time, their energy, their effort. And, um, and actually, I feel like even before the service, Matt, you know, there's like a little get together with the people who are serving. And I just feel like Matt, I'm so impressed with how he honors those who serve here. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's, worth, that's very commendable. I want to commend that. Um, and so uh, this isn't just going to be about elders. It's going to be about all, all kinds of leaders. But let's start by talking about what an elder is. Uh, essentially, an elder uh, or elders, they are the main leaders in the local church. And now we're part of a family of churches called Confluence. And, and what we believe, we believe something very specific about elders, specific about elders. That is that God calls a lead elder and then God calls us to operate in teams of elders. Uh, and so in churches, we believe that uh, God calls uh, teams of elders to lead. Uh, and these guys are meant to be Christ-like. They're meant to be spiritual fathers to the church. Uh, ultimately, elders are meant to be under-shepherds to Jesus. And what this means is that uh, they themselves are under Christ. They're in Christ, but they're leading people to Christ. A good elder, a good leader is somebody who follows Christ and somebody who points you to Jesus. They, they point you uh, into his word. Uh, they preach his truth. They lead by example. They disciple others, um, and, uh, and they, they model his love, his mission, and his character. Um, so this is, this, is, this is what elders are meant to be. And actually, all leaders are meant to fall into that mold. Every person who's a leader uh, in the church is meant to be an under-shepherd, in a sense. They're, they're following Jesus while pointing to Jesus. And, and actually, this extends even farther to members of the body, like anybody who's a Christian. You're meant to follow Jesus and, and model Jesus uh, and, and be a signpost to point other people to Jesus. But uh, the Bible is very specific that uh, God intends for leaders to, in particular, model these things, especially elders. And, and actually, I think this is a helpful way to think of it. When you think about an elder, you think about a spiritual father. And I think for men and women in the church, God's aim is ultimately that we would become spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. I think in my life, uh, I have many spiritual fathers. I have many spiritual mothers. Uh, there have been men and women who faithfully are obeying Christ, being formed in Christ, who have shaped my faith, who have shaped my character, who have ministered to me. Uh, and I don't think there's any higher aspiration uh, for a Christian than to be like Christ as a spiritual father or spiritual mother in the church. Uh, and so uh, this sermon, we're going to talk about how do we honor people who do that well? How do we honor people who do that well? Um, so um, the Bible actually, when it talks about leadership and specifically when it talks about the role of an elder, it, it, takes, it takes the role of leadership very seriously. Uh, and the role of elder, we're given, uh, we're given two different books where uh, we're given character traits for elders. And uh, this, is, this is one out of 1 Timothy, so a little earlier in the book that we're in today. Uh, he, he basically says, this thing is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, same, word, same idea as an elder, same, just a different word for the same thing, uh, it says they desire a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. They must manage their own household well. They must keep their children submissive. For if someone doesn't know how to manage their own household, how will they care for God's church? Um, they must not be a recent convert, or they may become puffed up with conceit and fall into uh, temptation, uh, or fall into the condemnation of the devil. Uh, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, though, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Now, 
Uh, I find that particularly interesting because, like I said, I was 22 years old when I started pastoring a church, a college church, uh, and uh, the whole getting really, you know, conceited and arrogant, that's, that can happen in your early 20s. I, I, I praise Jesus that, you know, he kept me humble by keeping things small for a good amount of time uh, as it, when it, it frustrated me. But actually, sometimes the things that are frustrating that God does in our life are actually helpful. They're for our character. They're for our hearts. So the Bible takes the role of leadership uh, it, it takes it very seriously. It gives us these qualifications. They, they've got, leaders have got to be, they've got to have good character. And, uh, and this, is, this is a big, uh, a big part uh, of what it means to follow Jesus, is to grow in our character. Uh, another interesting thing about the Bible, uh, and this is why, a big reason why you've got you to have some deep character, is that leadership, the Bible basically paints leadership as a very difficult thing. I cannot think of an example in the Bible of a biblical leader who, who did not suffer greatly just because they were a biblical leader. You read it. It's like even Jesus talks about that. He uses this in his, in, 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 while he's preaching. He talks about how, you know, the, the, the Israelites killed the prophets of God that came. There's a whole parable about, uh, about that's like this king who rules the land sending servants and they all get killed. And so then he finally sends the son and he's like, oh, surely they won't kill the son. And guess what? They killed the son. Uh, it's like a little bit of a spoiler alert to the story of the gospel that's about to happen. Uh, and so in, in the Bible, even God-appointed leaders, they're rejected, they're mocked, they're slandered, sometimes killed by the very people that God called them to lead. And it turns out that if people are sinful, which they are, uh, and the Bible is true, which it is, then conflict will always arise as God-appointed leaders preach truth to sinful, prideful hearts. And this can be difficult to handle and understand, but the Bible actually gives us many examples of these situations. And there's another complication that you may have noticed, and that is that leaders themselves, we're not, I'm not Jesus. Like, I have a prideful heart. I have sin in my life. And so leaders themselves are prone to sin, and God has called human leaders to lead one another. So you just see it's just this hotbed for conflict. And my point here is this, leadership is hard. And the more God calls you to it, and the more responsibility you aim for, or you, you end up with, the more difficult it becomes. <clears throat> the more difficult it becomes. It's, a, it's a difficult to, to talk about being an elder, to talk about being a lead pastor. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's so complex. Like, I could tell you so many just nightmare stories. My wife and I, you know, we've had two vacations where one of them, someone died in the middle of our vacation, and we had to come back, we came back home from vacation so I could do the funeral and minister to the family. You know, I had another vacation that I'm on, and uh, a close friend who was one of, our, one of our key leaders in our church calls me and confesses to me that for the last several years he's been visiting prostitutes. He was married, he had kids, and he was afraid he had an STD. And he's calling me, and I'm on vacation, and he's weeping, this, this friend of mine. And, and you know, and it's like, you know, you go, and so like the, the challenges of leadership, they're so, so great. So I'm, I'm going out of vacation, like right into the fire, going and ministering. And, and it's literally these kinds of things. You cannot do them unless God empowers you, unless God calls you, and unless you follow Jesus faithfully. Like all of those things have to be in place. Leadership is incredibly difficult, right? You've got to combine a lot of skills. You've got to be uh, good with people. You've got to have relational skills. You also have to be able to study and like, go deep and be like a scholar. You have, to, you have to be a great listener, like able to just listen and genuinely hear what, where people are and yet be able to speak and present truth to people in ways that are compelling. Uh, and 
At the same time, you go from private conversations about people's deepest sins, deepest issues, hardest stuff, to like a community group. And you got to like lead well while you're not letting this stuff just eat away. All right, you get, you'll get accusation. People will say things to you. I'm going to show you a little story about a guy who brought some accusations against me once that they were, they were a little crazy. But the, the sort of the way the story went, I mean, it's just something that will happen uh, when you're a leader. It happened in the Bible. Happened in the Bible. But here's the, the idea. The big idea here is that leadership is difficult. So the Bible takes leadership serious. The Bible uh, it gives us examples of the challenges of leadership. Uh, and we basically see this is that leadership is really, well, uh, really, really, really difficult. And this is why, this gives us the context for why Paul is writing to Timothy saying, hey, honor your leaders, especially those who lead well. Honor your elders, especially those who do it well. Because it's costing a lot, it's difficult. Uh, and, and those who do it well are modeling something that is worthy to be honored, worthy uh, to, to, to be um, blessed. Uh, so uh, here's the thing. That's, that's what this passage is saying. If you have good leaders, if you have good elders, you should honor them. And here's, I want to start, I, I think there are uh, two big ways that we can honor our elders. Or actually, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm actually going to be giving you three ways that you can honor your elders here. So, uh, or honor your leaders here. The first one, I think, is the most important one. And, and the best way, you know, when, when Paul says, hey, they're worthy of double honor, um, uh, you know, that, that one of these ways you can double honor your your leaders is this, go after Jesus and be like Jesus. Listen, I know what it's like to have a human heart because I have one. There's so many distractions out in the world. There's a myriad of things that can vile for your time and your attention. But in reality, what's happening is actually your heart, there's like a territorial battle happening in your heart where your hobbies, your interests, the dreams that you have, the call of the world, all of these things are vowing, are vying for time and territory in your heart. And for us as Christians, what we're saying is we're saying our heart, the deepest part of who we are, belongs to Jesus, and it was bought with a price. And one of the great challenges of being a Christian is consistently like letting our heart be flooded with Jesus. I don't know if you know the, you're familiar with the parable of the sower. The guy goes out and he's sowing seed and it says some seed fell along the path and the birds snatched it up and some seed, you know, fell among shallow soil and it grew but then the sun scorched it and it died and some seed fell where there were thorns and, and the seed grew but the thorns choked it out and then some seed fell on fertile soil. And this is really an analogy and, and, and it grew. And it bore fruit. That's really an analogy about human hearts and the gospel. You know, it, it, like ultimately making territory for your heart is, is letting it, you know, you clear out the thorns, you clear out the weeds, you clear out the other stuff, and you, you make room for God's word to take root deep in your heart. It, it costs us something, right? For every Christian, it costs us something. And leaders are those who uh, have demonstrated this. They've modeled this, this, this heart towards Christ. They've made room in their heart right? It's, it's like my, if you look at my July schedule, my July calendar, we ended up in a situation where our youth pastor quit, you know, the second guy ended up, you know, the second person we wanted to, to in the role, they ended up moving away, you know, and so then I'm like our default youth pastor. So I'm pastoring our church, I'm pastoring our youth. So I gave up a week, Grant in here as well, your drummer, uh, he was at youth camp. We hid in a corner and cried once. No, I just, it's just, it's an intense thing. So like my schedule in July I've just spent weeks away from home. I've spent days and days away from my kids. Like, it's cost me a lot. But here's the thing. 
I'm seeing the kingdom of God grow. And I'm not neglecting my kids. Obviously, if my schedule is like this all the time, that's a problem. It's not good. I can't put ministry above my family. But what I'm saying is there are moments and there are days and there are weeks and there are months where leaders sacrifice in a way that costs a lot, all in obedience to Christ, all in seeing, you know, desire to see Jesus grow. This morning, I'm texting two youth uh, while I'm in your lobby here. I'm texting two youth who felt like God spoke to them about leadership. Uh, I'm texting them. I'm saying, I'm praying for you this morning and I want you to go for it. Right? And so I'm, I'm thankful that through youth camp, these guys have experienced some power. These young men and women are, are being stirred up into greater faith. But it costs a lot to see. Right? So we, we, we have to make room in our lives for Jesus. So one of the great ways that we can honor our leaders is by doing that, by seeking after Jesus, making more room in your life for him to be like him, to spend time in your word. I mean, I hope, I pray. I've been praying for you guys, by the way. For the last two weeks, I've been praying for each one of you, you know, praying for this church, praying that God would bless you while I'm here, praying for Matt and Heather. Just, I just, I believe that God is real and God moves, so I pray. And I've been praying for you guys, praying for this church. And this is not the first time, you know, the history of this church, you know, Living Hope, my church, we've prayed for you guys. We, we do a monthly Wednesday night prayer. You guys make the list, Trinity Church. You know, we pray that God would bless you guys. Through COVID, I'm praying for you guys. It's a big city. You know, it's a hard place to minister the gospel. And then you had COVID into the mix. Like, we were praying for you. I, I hope you guys have a rich and deep spiritual life. I, I, I can't, if you get one takeaway from this message today, it's this make room in your heart for Jesus. Seek him in his word. Seek him in prayer. Your life will be changed radically as you do these things. The more Christ that you have near you and around you, uh, the, the, the more you'll be transformed. I mean, this is why things like youth camp work is because people are laying down a week and saying, I'm going to be in the presence of God. We're going to worship in the morning, here teaching in the morning. We're going to worship in the evening, here teaching in the evening. Uh, and so when conferences come around, you get that opportunity, you know. If you get a chance to be a youth camp counselor, God will impact your life. It'll be hard, but God will impact your life. Uh, and so make room for Jesus. It costs you a lot, but that's the best, first and best way you can honor your leaders. Right? Serve and give your life to God's call and his purposes in Christ. It's what you were made for. Turns out you were made by God and you were made for God. He made you, he loves you, and he has purpose for you as well. I mean, that is, it's, it's the deepest part of what we seek as humans. Right? We seek to be loved, seek to be known, we seek to have purpose. Jesus made us for himself and he gives us all of those things. Right? So that's the first way we can honor our leaders. The second way we can honor our leaders is more simple being thankful for good leaders in our lives, right? It's, it's one of the things I'm most thankful for myself. I'm actually thankful for my pastor who, who, who sent me to Maryville at 22 and said, hey, go for it. I'm so thankful I had that opportunity. And I'm so thankful for his leadership in my life, his mentorship in my life. There's so many good leaders who have helped me navigate hard situations, life in general, right? So be thankful for good leaders. Don't take good leadership in your life for granted. Right? Don't take good leadership in your life for granted. Be thankful. A third way that this passage gives us uh, support for, uh, uh, or it helps us see how we can honor our leaders, uh, is this, is that uh, it says that it supports the idea of paying full-time elders in the church, full-time leaders in the church. Right? So in the Old Testament, this was just a common practice. This, this passage just supports it. It says it's a good thing to pay people to minister. Uh, and I feel like I, uh, again, have... have uh, have, you know, a good view of this because I worked for a long time as a bivocational pastor where I didn't have any, I didn't make any money as a, as a pastor and I was a scientist. And uh, one of my favorite stories, well, I, don't, I probably don't have time for it, unfortunately, actually. I'm, I'm, I, I gotta, 
I got to be somewhat concise here today. But here's the thing. The Bible gives us, uh, it gives us an example, tells us a good thing to also pay those who minister, right? So this is pretty straightforward. How do we honor, how do we honor our leaders? We honor them by faithfully growing in Jesus. We honor them by uh, being thankful for them, and we honor them by taking care of the leaders who do it full time, right? We can support leaders who do it full time. It's good. That's a good reason to give to the church is to support full time ministry because it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. Uh, and here's the here's another point about the money thing is that is that good leaders they're not in it for the money, right? They're not in it for the money. And I feel like this is there are some people who exemplify this well. I actually think Matt exemplifies this well. He's a gifted guy, very gifted guy. And I have zero doubt, you know, because here's the thing, I've met hundreds of, of, of pastors in my time as a leader, and I, I, I can say this, you know, so easily. He's easily in the top tier of gifted pastors. Like, if you don't know that about your pastor, he is literally one of the most gifted ones I've spent time around. I mean that, genuinely. Like, I learn from him every time I'm here. I'm blessed by his friendship. I'm blessed by his passion to lead. Obviously, Matt's not perfect, but man, is he, he is gifted by God. And I have no doubt I have no doubt that Matt could make a lot more money doing something else <laughs> with a lot less stress in his life, a lot less challenge in his life, right? And myself, I, I've been on staff for almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in March of next year. I was bivocational for nearly four years. And while I was preparing the sermon, I actually found a funny fact. It's not actually that funny. I made more money in 2011 as a microbiologist than I made last year as a pastor. Right, that's like, like here, I, I, one, I love that I didn't know that until, I, like I didn't really, I, I, I mean obviously I knew what I made back then, but I just didn't think about it. And I'm like, I've never articulated that point. You guys are the first ones to hear that. And, 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 and the thing is, is that some people might find that depressing. Some people will say, well, why would someone do that? Let me give you a reason. Because the call and purposes of God are more important than having a bit more money. And doesn't he have it all? I remember when I told my parents, I, was, I, I, like, I had just went to college. They didn't actually have to pay for it. I, ha, I was fortunate. There's a cheap college in St. Joe that gave biochemistry degrees out. And they didn't give them out. You did have to take, go to classes. <laughs> Somebody's like, wait a minute. They're just giving them out in St. Joe? I'm moving there. Uh, so, but like, you know, I had just gone through three and a half years of school, four years of school. And to get this degree, I worked and I, and I studied and then I get a job and I'm working for three and a half years, making good money. You know, I have a career. It's like the prospects are so great. I had gotten promoted already in, in the short time I worked. And I laid all that down. Eight years of effort of my life. Money that, that, that would have only increased. Sorry, if I made more in 2011, like I can't, I can't even calculate. Like I, I, in my head, sometimes I think, what would I be making today? Like if I had stayed in that career track. And, and the, the reality is, I remember I went to my parents, and my parents were like, well, Mike, you're crazy. What are you doing? And I said, well, listen, I'm leaving my job that pays me a lot of money, and I'm going to go serve the God who's in control of all the money anyway. Like, that's the truth. It's like God is sovereign, and I believe in him. And, I, and like, you don't get into ministry to make more money. Like, and you don't get into ministry to have a nice, cozy, comfortable job. Like, I think some people think pastoring is like some cushy job, but like, when it comes to actual tasks that I'm, I'm doing, like, I would much rather be a microbiologist. Like that job, the jobs, it's fun. You're doing science all the time, right? Doing a funeral is not fun. Like ministering to a family when, when there's heartbreak, when there's death, that's not, that's difficult. It's difficult. Now being a pastor is a, is a very difficult job, especially when you give yourself to it. 
I, I encourage you. The reason I say this is that I want to stir you with my example, right? Like, I want you to know pursuing money, pursuing career, pursuing, you know, uh, people's praise because you're successful in the world, that's not the highest thing you can, you can go for. And then actually, the, the highest purpose you can go for is the one you were created for, which is to serve Jesus, you know. And not all of us, some of us are called to career and ministry, uh, and, you know, alongside that career. You know, I ministered to people while I was a microbiologist. The only time I ever opened air preached was on a production floor of our vaccine place. Like, literally, this guy's asking me questions about the gospel, so I just start telling him about stories from the book of John, and, and then two guys start listening, then, like, these guys with a cart come in, and they all stop, and they're just listening, and I'm like, what is happening right now? And you'll love the conclusion of this is, like, I, I, like, end with this, like, point about, like, we're, you know, we're made for Jesus, and he died for us because he loves us, and then somebody's like, you know, I was listening to Joel Osteen the other day, and he said this killed the whole thing, but, like... <laughs> I, that's a true story, by the way. He like started, he was like, I'm a Christian. I went in some of this action. Joel Steen said this. And I was like, no, we're talking about the Bible. Like, and anyway. So you can work and minister. You can work and minister. But your life, you, you've got to make territory. You've got you to make room in your heart. You've got to open up territory in your heart for the purposes of God. And it will cost you. It will cost you every single time. But God, you will see God move. Right, the Bible says we're aliens in the world. So to choose faithfulness to God's call over money or career is certainly an odd thing for an American, but it's a, for a Christian, this is, this is part of what makes us an alien. Right? It's part of what makes us different, set apart, is that our highest value isn't the self. Our highest value is God and others. I mean, Jesus, how he, how he articulates the commandments. Love God with everything you have, right, and then love others and put them above yourself. Like put them, uh, you know, love them as well. And, and there's just this idea that, that for us, like, that's, that makes us aliens. That, that our love should, should actually make us a little bit strange. Our, what, we, what we give our priority and attention to in life should make us a little bit strange to the world. But not strange in a, like, you're weird kind of way. Strange in a, like, how in the world could you give up a job? How in the world could you, why would you ever go to youth camp? Like, why would you ever do these things you're doing? And you have an opportunity to say, you know, Jesus said it's better to, to, to give than receive. And I believe that, you know. And I've seen it. Let me tell you about it. And you'd be amazed. Jesus says the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What that means is this. People in the world, people in the culture, they are ready to hear the gospel. But those who are willing to do it, they're few. They're few of them. I had one time somebody said to me, hey, do you believe God could raise somebody from the dead? And I was like, well, yeah. And they're like, do you think God could, you could pray and somebody could be raised from the dead? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, how many people have you prayed to be raised from the dead? And I was like, none. <laughs> and it's like, well, do you really believe that? And I, it hit me so hard. It's like, would well, you believe the harvest is plentiful? Well, if you do, I mean, do you, are you somebody who, who you're looking to minister to people? You're looking to share the gospel with people, right? Because if you never do it, you'll never see it. But Jesus says, go for it because the laborers are few. But the opportunity is there. All right? So you guys who minister, like in your work, or you work, you know, full-time careers outside of the church, you have an opportunity to minister to coworkers, people around you, by loving them. <clears throat> sharing good news with them. <clears throat> but I've seen God move as I've laid my life down, and I can assure you as I tell these stories that I've seen the same heart in Matt and Heather. Like my wife and I, and you know, my wife has sacrificed a lot as well. It's not just me. My wife has sacrificed a lot. When I was a bivocational minister, like we talk about it. Like she sacrificed a lot while I was working as a scientist and coming home and like giving all this time to the church. You know, it's like that cost her something as well. And she gave her time. She gave her energy. She's, she, she has, the, the, you know, just as many amazing, powerful ministry stories as, 
as, as me. And, uh, and like every morning, my wife, like she wakes up, I can attest to this, she wakes up earlier than everyone else in her house, and she prays, and she reads her word. And like, I'm so greatly blessed by that. Right? And she makes time. She creates time in her life, in her schedule for other people, and she goes, and she meets them. And she goes, there's this homeless ministry in town, and she goes and she babysits. She brings our three kids to like all these families who are homeless and their kids, and, the, and she watches the kids, and our kids play with them, and she's trying to minister to these kids, minister to these families, help them go through this program that's supposed to equip them and share the gospel with them and bless them, and it costs her something. And her, her and I can tell you, we're, we're good friends of Matt and Heather. They have this same heart. Right? The call and purposes of God in their lives, they're more important than money. They're more important than comfort. They're more important than living a life that's easy. Right? You don't move to Chicago with four kids because you want an easy life. You don't plant a church in a big city in the 21st century because you want a comfortable life. There are tons of mega churches that pay guys like Matt crazy salaries just to be on the team. I don't know if you knew that. You probably knew that. You've probably been headhunted a few times. My, my associate pastor gets headhunted all the time for cushier jobs than what he has. Right, to, to, to be a leader who, who serves obediently, it's worth honoring. <clears throat> I'm going transi- I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work through this next part a little bit quickly, because I, but I think it's important. This, the next part of our passage, it talks a little bit about leaders and sin. And the main idea here is that it says that accusations against elders, they shouldn't be made flippantly. They've got to be supported by evidence. And, and what I, the way I think it's helpful to think about this is that you've got to look for patterns in leaders when you're looking for uh, sinful behavior. Uh, and the big thing in the Bible is with no repentance, right? That's a, that's a pretty hard place to be when somebody's leading and, and they're sinning and they're also not repentant. Um, and the truth is this, is that part of the difficulty of leading is this. You find yourself in sensitive and difficult positions often, and when people feel hurt, they sometimes lash out. This is true. And pastors find themselves in close proximity often, can be accused of things due to how sensitive some of the issues we deal with are. I can, I'll share just some stories with you. I mean, I have walked with people through some of their deepest sin, and it's so hard, and it's, it's so difficult. Uh, and, and one of the most common reactions that happens is denial, right? You know, I, again, I have a human heart. I know how much I like to deny or justify or rationalize my own sin, my own sinful thoughts, my own sinful behaviors. And when you're ministering to people, this, is, this happens as well. Denial, blame shifting, and and as an elder, I've I've had you know you have to help people face their sin, and some do not want to. I've been called judgmental. I've been called. I've been compared to a Pharisee. I've been accused. Somebody accused me of trying to physically fight them at Caribou Coffee because we didn't agree. They didn't tell me that in the moment because it really wasn't obvious. But later on, somebody was like, "Yeah, they said you like tried to fight them at the coffee shop," and I was like, "What?" And this guy was actually bigger than me, weirdly. Like, I'm a pretty big guy, but this guy was bigger than me. I mean, at least taller. I was going to go for his kneecaps. Bam! No. That, but I didn't find out in the moment. And now here's the truth. So it ended up kind of being my word versus his. And he was happy to tell everybody. And I believe that the Bible says not to, not to, you shouldn't gossip. You shouldn't talk about your problems with everyone on the planet. And that you got to keep things small to honor others, to bless others as a leader. And so when you're a leader and you're doing this and somebody's just out there, you just feel like you're being hit on every side. And guess what? There are Psalms about that. David's like, I feel like I'm, all my enemies surround me. Lord, I feel like you're against me. I feel like you're not for me. 
A whole new area of psalms came up. My, my church went through some incredible difficulty in 2017. Uh, you know, and that was not the year. The year before was the year where the guy called me and was like, hey, I've been sleeping with prostitutes. So that, I came out of that year, ministering, losing a leader, helping, you know, ministering to him, his family, the difficulty of that, into a year that was just literally, it was like everything in the church was on fire. Everything in my life was on fire, and it was incredibly difficult. All right, and in the middle of this, in the middle of this, um, you know, I just, I, I did, I felt like God had abandoned me. I felt like God wasn't defending me, but all I, I knew is to keep trusting Jesus, to keep walking forward, even when it was difficult, right? And so it turns out that, you know, if this guy who says I was looking like I was ready to fight, that's what he said. Uh, I don't even know what that looks like. Uh, you know, <laughs> like a video game, like he took the Mortal Kombat pose. He looked like he was gonna, I don't know, but like, uh, we, we were, you know, having coffee. It's my word versus his. And here's the thing. If that's a regular pattern in my life, this keeps coming up and I seem to be unaware of it, it's something that definitely needs to be addressed. This passage says, how do you address that? Well, it should be addressed publicly. And the first, well, at first, it, should, it only gets addressed publicly if there's, if there's no repentance in my life. So first, it should be addressed by other leaders. It should be addressed by the people who bring it. Uh, and if there's no repentance, right, if I'm like, nah, yeah, I did want to fight him, but I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, or if I keep denying it and it's something that's happening, uh, that's, that's, that's a real issue to be dealt with, right? That's a real issue to be dealt with. We're blessed by confluence because we belong to a family of churches where you can bring other people in who can help navigate difficulty like that. And you're like, man, this is, maybe this is a little uncomfortable to talk about, but the truth is, the truth is, in a church, we will have conflict, and we've got to have good ways to work through it. If you ignore conflict, things don't get better. If you work through conflict, God is glorified, people are blessed, and we come together in unity, like every single time. And we're transformed, we grow through it, right? So in my case, the, uh, you know, that we had other leaders who investigated the situation and the conclusions they drew were not to the liking of the guy who was accusing me. And guess what? He started accusing them. And there's a clear pattern. When people said things he didn't like, you know, that was, that was my story. That was this guy. Um, now it was, the truth was, is there were things I needed to repent for as well. Uh, and I wasn't like totally in the, but what I'm saying is, is, is that, the, that when you're a leader, there are difficult things that come your way, all right? Sin and leadership is possible as well, and it's a very big deal, but we got to be careful. Can't, you know, we got to be careful how we handle it. We don't want to make accusations too quickly, and the Bible makes room for lots of grace um, with leaders and with everyone, like, because it's not just anyone in the church can be accused of sin. We got to walk these things out honestly. I mean, it's a, tri- it's a difficult thing to, you got to be honest. You got to be honest, but you also have, to a lot of, have a lot of grace. There's reconciliation, which is, which is, I mean, even in your own personal lives, your own personal relationships, you all know working through conflict, honestly, is one of the most difficult things two humans can do, right? To admit you're wrong is very, very difficult. To forgive someone who's wronged you deeply is very, very difficult, right? But for us as the church, here's the reality. Jesus in John 13 tells us that our love for one another in the church should be a defining trait of Christians to the world. It should be something that we're really good at, asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness, working through difficulty, working through conflict, and that actually we should be so good at it that the world looks at us in awe. That's basically what Jesus is saying in John 13, that people should know us by our love. It should be an identifying trait. And he's not just talking about our love for the world. He's actually in John 13. He's talking about our love for one another. So my encouragement to you is when you encounter conflict in the church, walk through it with grace, walk through it with humility, walk through it with love, walk through it with Christ. Don't ignore it. 
Don't just believe everything you hear. And the reality is, as you walk through these conflicts, God will do powerful work in your life, right? And conflict won't, it, it, can ha- it just regularly happens when you're working with people. Um, that's what's nice about working with bacteria. There's no conflict. And at the end of growing a bunch of vac- bacteria for a vaccine, you murder them with formaldehyde. And it's a little cathartic, I'm not going to lie. Listen to their tiny little screams in the top of the fermenter. Uh, but, yeah. So, but, you know, when you're working with people, there's conflict. And do not use formaldehyde. I don't recommend it. Uh, it's not a, good, not a good thing. But as we work through conflict together, uh, like working through conflict faithfully is a process that changes us. We shouldn't run from it. We shouldn't hide from it. We actually want to work through conflict faithfully with Jesus. You want to do that. That's a, that's a reconciliation is like one of the most Christian things in the world. Uh, and as we do it, God powerfully transforms us. All right, I'm going I'm to be wrapping up here. I'm actually going to jump over this section. The passage does talk about setting in leaders uh, too quickly, uh, but you know, we put, we, I don't have time to jump into that. Basically, like, the Bible's basically like, hey, you should be tested. And this is coming from the guy who did it too early, to be honest uh, with you. Uh, but testing is helpful. Um, but here's, here, I want to make this point. Every single one of you is called at some level to be a leader. If you didn't know that, every single one of you is called at some level to be a leader. Not everyone's going to be an elder, all right? Don't, like, we shouldn't, aspire to leadership because we want to have the rep. We want to have people loving us. We want to have people worshiping us. We want to, ha- we want to have people hear us. Uh, we want a desire to lead. Like, I actually think the best desire to lead comes out of a de- desire just to say yes to whatever God tells you to serve in. That's actually how I became a leader. I think it's why I got a chance so young, because I didn't tell anybody. I was like, you need, you need somebody to teach kids? I'm doing it. You need somebody to run words on Sunday? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Like, because I love the church, and I love what God was doing. And I, and I just, from a very early state, I saw everything, every serving opportunity in the church is an opportunity to expand the kingdom of God, even if just by a little bit. And I wasn't going to miss that opportunity. And I loved it. I was like, oh, I get to meet new people. Oh, I get to learn new things. Oh, I get to like, oh, let's see, how can we make this better? Can we? And it was just like, and God took that heart and just, it was like, the next thing I know, I'm helping with the college group. And the next thing I know, I'm leading the college group. And the next thing I know, I'm leading a church plant for a college city. And the next thing I know, like that's growing and expanding, you know? And, and, it, it was, and then the next thing I know, I'm leading a church uh, of people who are not young college students. It was a different experience. But every one of us is called to some level of leadership I think the key there is saying yes to serving. That's, that's really where it starts. And that, as we serve, God helps us to grow. He helps to help develop our heart. Um, right? And when it comes to leadership, we do have to be called um, to higher levels of leadership. Uh, and if God isn't calling us, we can't do it. But if God's calling us, it is, while it's gloriously challenging, it's wonderful and it's transformative. And you see God's kingdom go. All right, so uh, here, here's, here's where I'm going to wrap this up here. This, this passage is, you know, it starts off with just this idea of like honoring leaders well. We've got to understand like why that's important. Well, it's important because leadership is difficult, right? Eldership is, is incredibly difficult. Being a lead pastor is incredibly difficult. Any level of serving, there's sacrifice, there's a cost to it. So, so from people who serve in, you know, the smallest role each week to people who serve, you know, every day of the week. You know, we want to honor those who do it well. We honor them by giving our lives to Jesus, letting him, you know, have more territory in our heart, having more territory in our life. You know, we do it by uh, being thankful to those who serve, who lead well. Uh, and there are people who we can, we, can, we can pay as full-time ministers, and that's a good way to honor them, to say, hey, I see this gift in you. I want to enable you to do this as your full-time job. Um, and so... Uh, that, 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 that's kind of our, those are kind of our big takeaways today. It's difficult to lead, but God's calling each and every one of us to do it. And I just want to lead you with this. 
all of us uh, were called to be growing in Christ. And as, as, as leaders grow close to Christ, as, as members of the body grow close to Christ, we, what you see is that we're actually growing in unity. We're growing together, we're growing in love, and we're moving forward in the same purpose. We're moving forward in the same mission. Uh, and what God's doing here at Trinity, it's, it's powerful. And at the heart of it, it really is this. It's this growing in Christ together. So keep doing that, guys. Um, keep going for it. And uh, if any of you are hesitant about letting Jesus have, I mean, because here's the thing. I know when you talk about letting Jesus more into your life, we all know where we're hanging on to stuff. We're holding on to stuff. We're kind of, Jesus, stay out of this. I just want to encourage you to open your life up. Open your heart up more. God's calling you to greater leadership or greater service. Like, say yes and walk into that faithfully. Would you guys pray with me? And then uh, we'll stand and we'll worship. Heavenly Father, I do just ask, I just want to pray for Trinity. God, I want to pray that you bless this church. God, let it be a place where your name is praised. God, where your kingdom is expanded. Lord, I pray uh, that Trinity would impact this neighborhood. God, it would impact this city. God, that it would continue to grow, that lives would come in. God, people would come into contact with Trinity Church. They'd meet Jesus. They'd see Jesus in the people. And God, they would give their lives to Jesus uh, in the same kind of way, serving and sacrificing in love and joy. God, to see your name uh, lifted high, to see others blessed, to see others loved, to see others cared for. God, I just pray that over the church. God, anoint those who are here. Bless them uh, to be more and more like you. Bless Matt and Heather. Lord, strengthen them. Help them to lead. Help them to navigate uh, in this church. And Lord, I do. I pray where there's conflict, God, that you would help. God, conflict now, conflict in the future. Lord, wherever it, it shows up, Lord, I pray you would just help uh, Trinity be a church that navigates that well, and they actually see the, the transformative power of faithfully walking out hard things, of faithfully reconciling and loving one another. Lord, let this church be a church that, that uh, God shows the world um, how well we can love one another. In your name we pray. Amen.